Welcome to The Restless Ones. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I've spent the last 12 years covering technology and learning how it works, demystifying everything from massive parallel processing to advanced robotics and everything in between. As we stand at the beginning of a new era of unprecedented connectivity with the rollout of 5G technology, I'm partnering with T-Mobile for Business to sit down with some of the visionary leaders in tech across all industries, from companies like Fiat Chrysler and United Airlines and many more that play an integral part of our economy to get a better understanding of how tech and connectivity will change business forever. These leaders are the pioneers who don't follow trends, they define them. This show is their story. They are the Restless Ones. We spent, I can't even tell you, weeks, probably months, just based on the meeting schedule, of just talking about it. And then I was like, I'm done talking. Like, we're going to do something. Because the moment you do something, and it really doesn't matter what it is, you start to build momentum. Mm -hmm. So our goal is if we can prove this successful, then we can continue to build on it. It's like you got to get that one thing done and say, all right, we all do this together. Everyone's super proud of the work we did. We've figured out a way to do it. So now we've got this little playbook and framework to work from. So doing it the first time is hard. Second time should be a lot easier, and then it should get easier and easier and easier. For this episode, I sat down with Nicole Raimondo, the Chief Information Officer for the city of Cary, North Carolina. Cary has earned a reputation of being a cutting-edge smart city. Located near the famous Research Triangle of North Carolina, the city has embraced the potential of the Internet of Things, creating implementations that have a real positive impact on citizens and visitors to Cary. Nicole combines an optimistic vision with a pragmatic approach to get real results in a world where process and bureaucracy can be challenges on their own. We met in North Carolina to learn more about her background, her perspective on tech, and her vision for the connected communities of tomorrow. She explains that the same technologies that are changing the airline industry, as I learned from United Airlines CTO Ravi Simambatla in our previous episode, are poised to push our cities into the future. Nicole, thank you so much for sitting down to talk with us. I'm curious, so if you can cast your mind back to that first week when you were taking on the position of CIO, how how would you have defined what your mission was when you first took on that that role? For me, when you talk about the first week, there was a little bit, I'm going to say there was a little bit of a shock factor in seeing that when you go to a municipality, often you don't realize how fortunate you are in the private sector to have tools at your disposal, money at your disposal, and often very talented and unlimited resources. For me, that became the challenge and the opportunity in public service. So it was how do we change that mindset of the people that work there, of the technology, of how to get around figuring out better partnerships and creative opportunities so that we can make government services much much more like private sector, right? So how do you get it to think more like a startup? How do you get to change people's lives and their work through technology? That's fantastic. So let me ask you about something that I know you're not crazy about the the, the term smart city. 
not a big fan. You prefer connected city, perhaps? But can you talk a little bit about that? And if you had to define a smart city, at least in the way that perhaps it's spoken about in general, what is your vision of that? That is a very true statement right there that you just said. I like to call it a connected community because I think it's more than just the technology. It's connecting people. It's connecting the businesses. It's creating relationships. So for me, it's all about connection, which unifies and strengthens the community. Mm -hmm. So I like to approach it that way. For me to make the community better is definitely leveraging technology. So, And it's going to be mostly for a way for citizens that they don't actually see it. So that's, I like to talk about it in a way that it's almost invisible. And it's, you know, it's our intelligent traffic system. It's, it's using text messaging. It's being able to access and do things that you need to do wherever you are. So it's sort of like a concept of pervasive computing. Exactly. Something where you have that, that level of access. And not only do you have that level of access as a citizen, then you could also say from the flip side, you can, from a city point of view, use the technology to help make better plans for your city moving forward. On a similar note, and we spoke about this before the interview started, uh, we talked about the difference between private industry and the public sector when it comes to actually rolling out technologies and implementing solutions. You guys don't have the luxury an enormous test environment, being able to test all sorts of crazy things on, on any sort of whim. Can you talk about what is the process like? So we decided to leverage our campus space here on Town Hall because it has everything on a miniature scale that's representative in the town. So we've got a parking deck, we've got lighting, we have police and fire and on campus. And so we started to think about how do we leverage the space here to learn? So we're going to be smart with our taxpayer dollars. We're going to use it as a learning opportunity, and we're going to partner strategically with our vendors to help us figure out um, not only the right technology to use, but how to use it. And so we've got some amazing things on campus. We've learned a lot. We have learned that everyone is selling a siloed product with their own dashboard. So if you're out there, do not do that. We don't need a thousand <laughs> dashboards. We're trying to consolidate. You know, learning about how to share data, making sure our applications all have open APIs. They can talk to each other. Looking at security, making sure you're only capturing the right amount of data and not all of the data. So there must be a sort of a balancing act to figure out in what ways do you need to have a unified platform or interface to make things as streamlined as possible? And in what instances do you need something that's perhaps more granular for that particular implementation? Do you guys go through a process when you're looking at all these different applications and which ones should be in a more unified UI versus something that needs to be more standalone? Yeah, so I mean, really, we're trying to move away from standalone as much as possible. We know that that's it's not going to be a perfect world, but we will look at the data, the needs that come in, and we're trying to build data standards around it. We want to make sure we've got these data standards so that we can share out the data in the right places. If you think about in emergency services, if you know we had an incident, the last thing we want to do is there be a command center with 50 different screens of visualizations of data, right? So we want to make sure that we can put as much of the right data into the right tools at the right time. Mm. Well, let's uh, talk about 
sort of a specific implementation here. One of the things I read about is how Kerry has deployed sensors in things like parking spaces, as well as in trash or recycling bins in order to monitor their use. Can you talk about those initiatives particularly and how Kerry North Carolina uses that information to make improvements to citizens' lives, maybe in ways that that aren't necessarily apparent to the average citizen? Sure, absolutely. I think talking about the parking sensors is a great example and and really for two reasons. One is the tools that we use. So we are using um, Cisco's Kinetics for Cities platform, and we're also using Salesforce. And so we're using that in a way that we want to be able to tell whether one is the parking full, for example, or the handicapped spots filled, and how to manage that. And I share this one particularly because this is a great way to talk about the relationships that we have with these companies. So before we decided to do this request, sales we got Salesforce and Cisco together to help us figure out how to build it. So they didn't have a connector. So Salesforce did not have a connector into Cisco's platform. So they actually built that for us. And now it's readily available, right? So as more cities deploy Kinetics for Cities, they have the ability now to connect into Salesforce. So I think that's a great demonstration as how we're leading the way and working with companies to demonstrate need as well. In terms of the citizen, we're also then taking that data and sharing it out in our open data portal. And we have a citizen group that will build apps around parking spaces and show where there are needs where there's openings. So for us, we've also incorporated that with meeting the needs of our citizens by letting them help us. So we don't need to build an app if they're going to help do this for us. We just need to make that data available. And so we've got a great relationship with our citizens in order to do that. So you have a a rapid iteration as well, because you, again, like when your user group are the people who are actually building the stuff, uh, it really, you really see that, that, that kind of open source approach almost to discovering uh, the strengths and weaknesses of any given approach and being able to improve upon that very quickly, which uh, I think is, is a fantastic model. I think that's really exciting. Nicole, one of the things we've talked about a lot here are, are, are sensors, Internet of Things, this idea of technologies that we can deploy in the real world. And they're either actuating, they're creating some sort of action, whether it's data driven or physical action out in the real world, or they're gathering data or they're doing some combination of both. But underlying that, obviously, is connectivity, this this ability for these different pieces of an overall holistic system to communicate with one another, without that communication, uh, they're they're meaningless. They're they're right. useless. If you have to go out to the location, right, right. right. So, presumably, the rollout of five G, where we're getting incredible data throughput speeds, we're getting uh, a lot of ability to do things like edge computing in an unprecedented way. That must be very exciting to you as well. By having five G in place everywhere, you know the ability to build off of it and use it in places that maybe you couldn't use it before kind of equalizes the playing field. Like you think about it in terms of, you know, you move right outside of Kerry and you you get fairly rural. So you think about it in farming and all of the technology needs that they now have that they didn't have before. And now we need to make sure that we provide that basic infrastructure so that it almost evens out the playing field no matter where you are. Yeah, I remember when the Internet of Things was first being talked about as 
potentially billions and billions of sensors being uh, connected to a network. And the question that a lot of people were asking, how the heck do we support all of that? How do we have a, a system in place that can handle even the small data packets? You're just talking about you know the basis of numbers with the number of sensors out there. How do we make sure that we have the system that can support all this? I, I think that 5G is really going to provide that for us. Let's envision that world. What do you think the perfect day would be for you? Oh, perfect day for me. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to come to my office, no traffic. I think about the perfect day where the technology is seamless. You don't see it, right? I'm being rerouted to the right way. So I'm going around traffic. Um, perhaps there's an emergency vehicle coming and I know where it's coming. I'm not looking around. Um, you think about all of those little intersections of where um, a split second can make a difference um, in a life. So I really think about it that way. I also think about 5G beyond carry, right? I think it's really important that we talk about it. You know, we we see it, see the commercials for it, for 5G nationwide, but I don't think we're really talking about what that means or how we get there. That means municipalities, states, counties, everybody working together to build out this um, service solution that we're all going to benefit from. I think those conversations are starting to happen in small pockets, but I think that's really where we need to start talking because we can build out this amazing network, but if we're not leveraging it to its full potential, then what's the purpose? And I think we're at this little crossroads where we get it on our own little kind of micro scale, but we're not thinking about it on that regional level. And that's really where we're going to gain um all of the great benefits as we start to build it out. Nicole, what I find so inspiring about your your perspective is that I'm seeing two different approaches to a world that I really want to live in. Uh, Those two different approaches being where you feel like it's almost like reality is catering to you, that things are anticipating your needs. And on the flip side, because it's not just catering to you, it's catering to everybody else too, It's streamlining processes in a way that makes a a group improvement, right? It's not just for the individual. It's for the entire community. And that's what I think is so exciting about your vision of the future and uh, why, like I said, I I want a lot of leaders to share that, to see that, that sort of vision come to fruition. We'll come back to talking about connected cities with Nicole Raimondo of Cary, North Carolina in just a moment. But first, let's take a quick break. You know who you are, a boundary pusher, a big thinker in the relentless pursuit of the next big innovation for your business. T-Mobile for Business knows that the future demands true workforce mobility. And in the new era of 5G, being able to assess the needs of your company in real time could transform everyday functions. The 5G revolution has begun, and the future of businesses like yours will be powered by advancements in 5G networks, built to reach more people in more places without slowing you down. T-Mobile for Business can help you realize the full potential of your business as 5G unfolds. Business is changing. Learn more at tmobileforbusiness.com. The future is closer than you think, and it all starts in the palm of your hand. You've heard the news. 5G is here! But what does that really mean? How will it impact you? 
In this iHeart series, This Time Tomorrow, presented by T-Mobile for Business, join hosts Oz Volishin and Kara Price as they walk us through a mobile revolution that will start to change the future of business and the way we interact with the world around us. From environmental science to law enforcement, entertainment, healthcare, and travel, innovation is coming. Join them as they explore how this revolution could impact your life and give you new ways to connect and engage. This Time Tomorrow is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's say, what are some of the goals that you have defined for yourself? Because obviously this implementing technology uh, is, is a way of solving a problem, but what are some of the challenges that you initially identified where the technology helped you uh, achieve your goal? So I've got some some big goals of some little goals. Um, we've got challenges all over the place, I think. Um, so, you know, in Carrie, we do, we do a lot of journey mapping, right? So we mm-hmm. think about the day in the life of a citizen and we literally will walk through from the moment that you get up different scenarios, whether you're going to work or you're traveling past through Carrie and into another municipality. And we think about where are there touch points that we could make your life better. Traffic system is a perfect example. Where are the choke points? Mm-hmm. And we know that there's issues with lack of connectivity mm-hmm. um, between communication, whether it's police, fire, and different um, communities or not. And same with intelligent traffic systems. So to start to think about a world that is connected outside the boundaries of your community. I mean, last time I checked, Carrie didn't have any physical walls. And so you're traveling through communities. So I think that's kind of the next level that we all need to start thinking about is how do we do this on a much broader scale? For me, that's going to be the greatest impact. Right. So instead of it just being kind of a siloed example where everyone's saying, man, I love going through Cary. Everything is so well integrated that the experience is so seamless. It's invisible for most of the time, but that's exactly the way you want it. But then as soon as I leave Cary, the real world comes crashing right. down. You don't want Cary to become Oz. You know, you start by thinking about, you got to break down your internal silos, right? So you've got internal departments that now need to work together. So you think about the end-to-end process of where can we automate systems there? Where can we leverage technology and sensors and all of these things, gather the right amount of data, make intelligent decisions, get everyone out of their little thiefdom sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. You really got to work together. Mm-hmm. And then how do you do that on with communities? Mm-hmm. So you start to to kind of move it out. Um, you know, I always share that I, I joke and say, it's really all just about making my life better, right? <laughs> so I think we do a phenomenal job in Cary. I, I personally don't live in Cary, so I drive to work from another community. My children go to school in Raleigh, mm-hmm. so um, they go to school in a different community. And then, you know, like every other person, I'm running them around um, to sports activities in another community. And and I joke saying it's about my life, but I think my life is everyone's life, right? Sure. Very few of us stay in the community that we're in. And so when you talk about making lives better, it's much bigger than the community that you're in. And I think in Cary, we understand that. So we understand the value of that from a regional perspective. Mm-hmm. So we're really working hard with partners in other communities. We've got a project around stormwater that we're working regionally to come together because we know that that's not an issue just within our location. And we want to be able to notify our neighbors of any stormwater issues and hope that they can notify us as well. 
So I think we've got a good start. There's a lot of challenges with that, um, mostly around figuring out data sharing and figuring out how to make some standardizations around that and what that looks like and ownership of data or, or not owning it. There's definitely challenges there, but the opportunities far outweigh any of the challenges. Well, because this is not something we necessarily see in other industries. You know, you often see in a business where everything is, you know, mostly owned within one entity or maybe a parent company, a holding company right. or something. They can get complicated, but it's not as complicated as having different municipalities, each with their own uh bureaucracies, each with their own list of vendors that they might be working with, having to find out, are all of these technologies compatible? Uh, if they're not compatible, are there ways to bridge between them? So these are the sort of challenges you face, I, I assume. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> On many levels every day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we deal with that internally as well. I think when I got here four years ago, we had 200 siloed applications, right? Not a lot talking to each other. We've since moved to a platform strategy. We've got a great start. We've got a long way to go. But for us, you know, when I talk about the stormwater, I use that as an example because we collectively decided that's what we were going to do. We're going to do something together and we're going to move forward. And we said, I said, we're going to do stormwater. It's something we all have the issue with and we can relate to. And since then, everyone has rallied. Sometimes it just needs someone to say, this is what we're doing mm -hmm. and get things moving forward. Now, figuring out data dictionaries, how we're going to share the data, all of the details is the hard work behind it. But it's just figuring out what is the data that we need and then how can we share that back and forth. So in this case, it was really the, the element of leadership that was necessary to get the ball rolling to the point where we could have these discussions. That's something I think that is applicable across any industry, not uh, not only the public sector. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because there is, you know, when you work in government, you work here because you want to make a difference. So there is that collective mentality of the folks that we got together, you know, from all these different municipalities and from the state, they want to make a difference. So it's not the want to do it. It's the, is it a priority? Mm -hmm. Do I have the resources? What is any of the political bureaucracy that I'm going to have to go through? I can't even tell you weeks, probably months, right? Just based on the meeting schedule of just talking about it. And then I was like, I'm done talking. Like, we're going to do something. Because the moment you do something, and it really doesn't matter what it is, you start to build momentum. Mm -hmm. So our goal is if we can prove this successful, then we can continue to build on it. It's like you got to get that one thing done and say, all right, we all do this together. Everyone's super proud of the work we did. It, we've figured out a way to do it. So now we've got this little playbook and framework to work from. So doing it the first time is hard. Second time should be a lot easier. And then it should get easier and easier and easier. But taking those first steps and just saying you're doing it, it's hard, mm -hmm. but I will say the commitment of the folks that are working on it has been tremendous, and they are doing this outside of their priority workload. We've talked a lot about these sort of big, big ideas. Sometimes it's hard to even talk about these because the ideas are so big and they 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 span so many different concepts that the terms start to become meaningless. <laughs> like smart cities, I would argue, becomes one of those, right? Because right? what Thank does that you. actually mean? <laughs> so. Uh, 
What do you think are some of the aspects of a connected community, uh, of the way technology is being implemented that people are not talking about, but you see as being particularly interesting? For me personally, it's the goal of moving beyond the city. So, I mean, I can talk about Carrie for sure, but I think the greatest impact is going to be when we start moving beyond the city. I think 5G is an enabler for that. I think that as long as we start to connect together the possibilities then become limitless. What people develop on these solutions yet to be determined, I think will be fascinating. Um, the way that we can partner with our other municipalities, um, the data sharing between us, I think will be interesting. Moving away from those silos, mm -hmm. um, for for Carrie individually, right, we always talk about, like I think most people do, like what is, what's the Amazon experience and how do we, and how do we give that? Mm -hmm. to our citizens. So how do we, we talk about how do you live in your day-to-day -day life and interact with technology? So mm -hmm. for example, um, actually even this morning, I got a reminder about a dentist appointment. So why aren't we sending out reminders about scheduling a um, inspection and letting them know who's coming to the house and at what time? So all of these things we're so used to in our personal life that have just become almost like commodity services now. I think that's the direction that we need to go in. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see where that would be a big challenge. It's interesting, too, because now we're talking about you know challenges that are, are again, more on the sociological side right. than on the technological side. And, uh, and a lot of the people I talk to, you know, they're very firmly focused on how do we get the technology to work? And you're thinking also not just on that aspect, but how do we get it to work in the real world in, in real use cases in a way that provides uh, actual value to citizens and that are uh, value to the, to the city itself. So let me ask you, Let's say that we're looking maybe a, a year ahead. Mm -hmm. A year ahead, we're getting we're getting into that that realm where five uh, G is now available in in areas. You've yeah. got you've got some new capabilities. What are you excited about? So for me, I think I'm excited about being able to leverage the speed of five G mm -hmm. and the way that we'll be able to do that and start moving away from these individual use cases that we talk about and connecting them all together. You know. We were actually the other day talking about flooding and let's run a test of that now and then run a test of that on 5G, right? Mm. And see what the difference is because I, I think it'll be amazing. And right now I don't know that anybody's doing that with data to understand because I think they just think, well, it's faster. Well, what is faster? And what does that mean in saving lives? And what does that mean um, in convenience? You know, I think about we're all really busy people. Um, so I think about the speed and, and the way that we use technology, but I think it's going to be interesting to look at like this comparison of like the world today and mm -hmm. the world tomorrow. So imagine you're 15 years in the future. I'm not asking you to describe the world, but 15 years from now, what do you think, assuming that you, we get these great rollouts of various technologies, what would be an ideal uh, situation for you and it can be something small or it can be mm. as grandiose as you like. Interesting. That's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't mess with the small ones. Right. So I think about tasks that I do that are mundane for me, even, even when I think about, let's say I'm still here, folks, um, doing tasks that can be, they can be elevated. 
So I think about roles changing a lot. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I necessarily think about some big technology um, impact as opposed to thinking about how folks um, leverage the ability to learn new technologies to advance their career and advance what they do. When you think of the very basic, simplistic, the way we um, pick up trash and how we can elevate skills of those folks mm -hmm. through the use of technology is incredibly powerful when you're lifting up a whole community. And so I really see that to me as um, I think my aspirational, inspirational 15 years from now where we've got a much higher educated um, workforce that's doing things that they never thought that they could do possible, regardless of their educational background, um, I think it's an equalizer. I really, truly believe that technology is an equalizer. I love it. It's like a Star Trek feature. Right. Where you've got the point where you have the freedom and the opportunity and the support to pursue things that otherwise would just be a dream. Correct. That's fantastic. That's a lovely story. I love it. And I love that we've we've really looked at this intricate symbiosis between the technology, the connectivity, and and ultimately the impact on people uh, in a in a very holistic way, uh, as opposed to use the term silo. Like yeah. usually we yeah. we view these in silos Correct. too. Right. Yeah, fascinating. Nicole, thank you. Thanks for so having me. Much. This has been fascinating. I think Nicole's vision for communities is inspiring. She acknowledges that implementing solutions in the public sector can be tough, even when you can identify the best technology to achieve your goals. But she also points out that with leadership and collaboration, you can get buy-in from the community and real change is possible. Using connectivity to transform the Internet of Things from a buzzword into a real-world asset is going to transform not just our cities, but also industry. And the future 5G network will provide the speed, data throughput, and low latency that can turn promise and potential into our everyday reality. In our next episode, we'll meet with Rob Carter, the Chief Technology Officer of FedEx. We'll learn how 5G connectivity and evolving technologies are setting the stage for the next era of logistics and transportation. Be sure to join us for the next episode of The Restless Ones. No matter what you're after, T-Mobile for Business is here with a network born mobile and built from the ground up for the next wave of innovation. From mobile broadband to IoT to workforce mobility and everything in between, T-Mobile for Business is committed to helping innovative decision makers like you move your business forward with the products and services you need, as well as the dedicated award-winning service your business expects from America's most loved wireless company. Business is changing. Learn more at tmobileforbusiness.com.